Hi, I'm Tom Field, Senior Vice President of Editorial with Information Security Media Group. I'm talking today about the evolution of exploits and defenses, and it's my pleasure to be speaking with Adam Kojawa. He's Director of Malwarebytes Labs. Adam, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Tom. Adam, you and I had the chance to speak just in, in 2013. If you were to generalize, how would you say the state of malware has evolved since that first discussion? Well, it's a lot has changed in, uh, in the last six years. From a ransomware point of view, we saw kind of the, the evolution of CryptoLocker at the end of 2013. And then from there, lots and lots of copycats that evolved on what we saw CryptoLocker do. So 13, 2014, 2015, 2016 was mostly lots and lots and lots of ransomware encrypting things and the, the security community trying to fight back against it. But in 2017, we actually saw a drop, you know, during May of 2017, the WannaCry attack happened. And right after that, uh, NotPetya, which both were ransomware families that were utilized, or we think anyway, were utilized by state-sponsored actors in some kind of test. They both were utilizing exploits that we saw stolen from the NSA. And yeah, overall, I mean, they, they were uh, nasty pieces of work. But right after that, we started seeing a decline in ransomware overall. And then around October or so, that's when we saw, 2017, we saw a big increase in crypto mining value, cryptocurrency value. And so from about October to, I'd say, June of 2018, it was mostly crypto lockers we saw for a while there being installed in pretty much every method you could think of, uh, from exploits to emails to additional stuff being installed to actually utilizing the same exploits we saw WannaCry use to install miners on servers and then patch them so they can't get attacked again. I mean, beyond that, uh, in 2013, exploit kits were a really big thing, and they were the, kind of the primary method of spreading malware at the time. They utilized exploits for Java and Flash and Explorer. But since then, and since for at least a couple of years now, phishing, you know, email attacks have gone up and have actually become the, the norm now. We see very little exploit kit activity other than in the East, and that's because there aren't a whole lot of new exploits out there to use. So, Adam, talk to me about the landscape today. What are some of the characteristics and concerns you see in the newest exploits? From a browser point of view, uh, we have seen new exploits being or new vulnerabilities discovered and exploits developed for Microsoft Edge browser, as well as Flash and some Chrome browser exploits. But for the most part, what we what we still see utilized pretty heavily are older stuff that goes against Internet Explorer. Or, um, or Java, and um, in some cases, I mean, in many cases, these are still pretty effective, at least against parts of the world, to do not use updated operating systems, you know, because Edge comes with Windows 10. Uh, and so every previous version of Windows had Internet Explorer built into it, and uh, that's, you know, a vulnerable piece of software now. So, but overall, like I said, the, the exploits themselves, uh, other than seeing how they're used within malware, like I said, the exploits stolen from the NSA, what I like to call the eternal exploits, being adopted and being added to the functionality of a lot of uh, common malware families we've seen in the past, as well as new ones that we haven't seen before, and basically supercharging them to make it possible for them to attack businesses more, which is, which is a really big deal. That's the biggest shift going on right now. Adam, how would you describe the business impact of malware distribution and why fooling the user continues to work so well? Well, businesses are now a bigger target against malware or for malware than they were in a few years ago, at least. 
these new technologies, like I mentioned, the exploits being added to these these families make it possible for them to not only just land on the system, but then start spreading like a worm and what we call lateral movement, which is just moving from system to system on the network. We see this done with the exploits. We see this done with brute forcing of, uh, of credentials in order to try and move around. And so when one of these families is able to infect an entire organizational network, they have a lot going for them. They could it, the, the damage that it could cause could go from just simple your IP being stolen to user information being compromised or breached, all the way up to a ransomware attack that takes down your whole network. And we saw that late last year around the holidays with this particular ransomware called Ryuk, R-Y-U-K. And it was dropped by um, by these families that I talked about that, are, that have been spreading around that can move laterally. So it was dropped on a few networks of these companies and they had to take a break from their Christmas vacations to come and try to fix it and solve it. So we have seen just overall kind of a, a greater increase against uh, businesses from ransomware threats as well as others. But at the end of the day, how are these guys getting on the networks? Now, um, like I mentioned, over in the east, we see a lot of exploit kits, and we also see a lot of uh, vulnerabilities that can be taken advantage of by the same exploits that WannaCry used. And that's a big method for distributing malware out there. But over here in the west, it's still primarily phishing, spear phishing, and email attacks overall. Some of these tricks include identifying themselves as something legitimate or someone trustworthy that the user knows, uh, using subjects or file names that seem important to the user, like pay rates, holidays, deliveries, baking information, things like that. And it really just takes advantage of the user's curiosity outweighing the alarms that should be going off on their heads about how sketchy this thing looks. But the thing is that the tricks that we see utilized by these phishing emails, they're not new. They've been around longer than we have, like you and I. Tricking humans is an art that's been perfected over the years in real world scenarios. You know, you had scam artists in, in real life and these tricks that they're utilizing are not all that different. And it's the sad thing is that they still continue to be effective. Otherwise, we wouldn't see the bad guys using them so much. Um, so overall, I mean, we still have a massive problem with with users being tricked by cyber criminals more so than we have with security systems being able to stop, you know, malware. Adam, you talked about Ryuk a few minutes ago. How do you see ransomware evolving in the future? Well, we did see a pretty massive campaign of the Troll Dash ransomware, which isn't a new one, but it was really interesting to see a big spike of it near the end of January, early February, mainly against businesses. You combine that with the Ryuk uh, attack last year, and then SamSam, which is also a, a big ransomware, or not big, but a very dangerous ransomware family that was targeting businesses earlier last year. And I think we can definitely see the trend moving toward more and more business infections, um, more ransomware that's designed in order to target that kind of organization versus a single consumer, where we may see you know the ransom worm come back uh, and, and spreading around corporate networks. Overall, the return on investment is better for the cyber criminal to go after these these businesses and their networks rather than going after someone's grandma and trying to get you know a few bitcoins from them. You can go after these big businesses and get a lot more money. Increasingly, we hear the word resilience. How can organizations build this in to keep themselves better protected? Well, what I like to advise is the first thing that anyone does when they're deciding to build out or, or upgrade their security defenses is to, to determine the inventory, take inventory of all your data. What data is most important to keep protected? What data isn't that important to keep protected? And then you can go off of that by building additional security 
within your or, you know overall security network uh, to prevent access to that very valuable sensitive data. Um, cyber criminals will will go after low hanging fruit in many cases, get what they can. So if you're they're able to break through your your border defense on your network and reach your server that has a, an Excel spreadsheet about uh, user birthdays or, or employee birthdays or something like that, they may wanna take that instead of trying to break through additional security measures, additional authentication or trying to brute forcing, uh, trying to brute force credentials to get even deeper uh, and get that information. So that's, that's one way to make things easier. You wanna make sure you keep backups on a regular basis, especially since we expect to see more ransomware happening. And these backup services you use, they should be off premises or in the cloud and utilize some kind of multi-factor authentication as well as encryption to make sure that data is secure and safe out on the internet. I know a lot of folks get kind of concerned about, oh, you want me to upload all my you know, personal or, or valuable information up to the cloud, that sounds very dangerous. And, and maybe it was a few years ago, but now we have so many more technologies that can secure this probably better than your IT team at a, a physical location that it's, it's really a good idea. But then finally, the thing that, that really is probably the biggest hurdle we as a security community have is educating users. We could educate our users to recognize a phishing attack, to be a little more paranoid, and to at least alert people to something that looks suspicious, which would greatly decrease the chances we get of being attacked or of attack actually being successful. We can't teach users how to always combat malware. The landscape itself changes constantly. There are some basic security procedures we tell people to follow, but sometimes those procedures end up being old or outdated and we need to update them. So uh, at the end of the day, just making sure that your users can at least recognize something suspicious makes them more of a benefit to your security than a liability. Adam, at the outset of our conversation, you did a great job giving us an overview of, of malware's evolution over the past few years. As you look ahead, what are the specific trends that you're most paying attention to? You know, after we saw crypto mining die about, we well, didn't die, die, but but seriously drop at the mid last year, we started seeing more and more um, spyware, uh, trojans, and, and basically malware that historically we had seen used to steal information, and it still does that. We thought that with the with the creation of policies and regulations like GDPR or the one that um, the California is doing, you know, there's all over the world people are adopting privacy regulations in order to keep user data safe, which is fantastic. And we believe that this made it more difficult to get access to said user data, which means that we see more malware that goes after stealing user data. But then we started seeing these same uh, exploits added in and watching as these, these malware families, which we originally said, this is what they do, this is what we should expect to see them do, started doing other things, different things, acting outside of what we saw in the past. So. Uh, in the future, you know, we're going to see um, more malware families that are armed with these tools, with uh, taking examples from Emetet, TrickBot, WannaCry, all these other families that have shown us over the last few years how effective they can be against businesses. And when other criminals see that, they're going to say, wow, this is the right way to go. I'm going to invest in that and we're going to continue developing on it. And that's kind of what happened back in 2013 with CryptoLocker. You know, that we saw a whole bunch of this ransomware that just locked people's screens. And then we saw a few years after that being a big problem, somebody finally improved on it well enough to make it incredibly difficult to stop. And that was with CryptoLocker. And then somebody developed on that one and we got Cerber, Locky, and other families. So while right now we might see 
Emetet or a few other families that are just use you know only a few utilizing utilizing these exploits and these tactics to infect folks. I expect that by the end of the year we'll see a lot more, and it's probably going to be far more dangerous than we we can predict right now. So, Adam, as we close out, talk to me a bit about malware bites. What are you doing to help your customers keep pace with these trends? So from an educational standpoint, we try to uh, inform them through our blog posts, white papers, quarterly and yearly reports that we do about the threat landscape. We do podcasts and videos when we can in a hope that people will will learn something, will derive something, and at least share it with their friends and family. But as far as our technologies go, I mean, we have anti-exploit and anti-ransomware technologies built into all of our offerings, which have done a really great job at stopping not only just exploits coming from the internet, but even um, malicious macro scripts found in an office document and ransomware that nobody's ever seen before. So these are the kind of tools that, that we need for the future and we've, we've been using for a while. But in addition to this, we know that, that time will come soon when there's gonna be too much malware to stop. It's gonna be constantly uh, or frequently developed and, and quickly uh, evolved upon or modified in order to evade detection. And in doing so, we're going to need solutions that can act just as quickly. So we're doing lots of, of development within uh, machine learning and artificial intelligence to help us create a better system for detecting malware. And this is kind of where the industry as a whole is going. We're probably going to see fewer and fewer vendors come out and say, uh, here are the stats for this particular family of malware, because at this point, you know, everything's being detected as something malicious or strange and tracking it is going to become a much more difficult thing to do. But the user, at the end of the day, is going to be more safe. So it's give and take. Adam, well said. I appreciate your time and insight today. Thank you. Thank you, Tom. I'm really, uh, thanks for having me so much. Again, we've been talking about the evolution of exploits and defenses, and I've been speaking with Adam Kujawa. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tom Field. Thank you very much. <laughs>